Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Excited to have you with us this afternoon and with our guest Chris Mannion of ChrisMannion.com. We're going to be talking today about how to motivate your team to action. And if you have ever led a team, sometimes that can be a challenge. So today's guest, Chris Mannion, is going to share with us why motivation is a myth and what you can do about it, the two biggest mistakes people make when they incentivize their team, how to use the Pareto principle to your advantage, the one thing that helps long-distance team members stay connected with you, and know that you care, how to incentivize your team without paying a dime, the one thing to never tell a super achiever, also an easy group activity that produces income generating results in one hour, how to use the diet method of motivating your team, and two things that top leaders do to hold their team's loyalty and productivity. Our guest today, Chris Mannion, is an author, speaker, and powerhouse businesswoman who built a $20 million sales team of over 5,000 people while working to have Jesus as her best friend. Her website is Chris Mannion, that's C H. R-I-S, Mannion, M-A-N-I-O-N.com. And welcome to you, Chris. Thank you, Marnie. How are you? I'm great. and It's great to have you on here. Uh, <laughs> that is a large team, a very large, productive team. It was a wonderful team. And yes, it was. And it's mm. like all situations and Things that are large at once, they start one, they start small. They start with one person, one at a time. Came from a large family. Having a large team was kind of a natural thing for me. I figured if they're going to pay me more for more, why not do more instead of just stay with less? You know, it doesn't ever pay well to play small in life. Yeah. Well, you have um, you have definitely demonstrated that you know how to develop a team who knows how to do what they're supposed to be doing. You guys were uh, generating a million to two million dollars in sales every month and ranking number two and number three um, in your company, which is uh, saying a lot. So let's go ahead and talk. You know, your first point here that you want to share is so interesting. You say motivation is a myth. And yet that's the topic that we're going to talk about today. So help us understand what you're thinking. Well, when I first heard in total resistance and I wanted to. Chris, um, we're so having, I, you're cutting, you're, Chris, you're cutting in and out a little bit. I don't know. Can you repeat that? Yes. When I first heard this concept, I was very aghast. I really know motivation works, and so I didn't want to believe this, and I wanted to resist it with everything I had. And yet, when I heard what the concept was, that motivation is something that comes from within, I cannot motivate a person. I can offer incentives. I can inspire them to take an incentive, but motivation comes from within. 
And so mm-hmm. outside, I can't make a person do anything. It's similar to our feelings. We always want to say, Marnie made me mad. And it's not true. You choose to, the, the feeling of anger because of something another person did. But you can't put your finger and say, she made me do it. So I can't make my team do it. Now, I was working with independent contractors. So employees and their bosses might be a certain situation a little bit different because I could hire you if you were an employee. I can make you do those things. But when I'm working with an independent team or when you're working with people that will just can leave and will, you know, like a sports team, people can just leave. They can break contracts. They can go to another team if they're not happy with you. So figuring out what the motivation is from with person is the piece that is more important than thinking that if I just motivate them, I'll get them to do what I want them to do. So all we can do is inspire a team and the members then choose what actions that they're going to do to move forward. And that's why it's important to invest the time to find out what your team members purposes. Why are they doing the work that, that they're choosing to do or that they're, you know, when they're working, this is their why. The inspiration comes mm-hmm. when they're reminded what they're working towards, not what your goal is for them. If I stood there all through the 25, 26 years I was working with my team and said, these are my goals for you. I would have gotten only so far. I certainly wouldn't have uh, had as many thousands of people with me as I did because they want to do work for themselves. Again, And as an independent person, I, I have my thing to do, and I'm happy what you want to do with, you know, for me, Marnie, but, or what you want me to do for you, Marnie, but I got my own agenda. So as a leader, if you can figure out what your team member's agenda is, then you can figure out how to inspire them. And part of the problem in this whole motivation piece, if I can veer a little bit off of that, is that fears often hold people back. And fear is often what causes a leader to sometimes try to motivate a person. Leaders are afraid if I don't motivate them, if I don't put some incentives there, they're going to just fade away, they're going to leave, they're going to be unproductive, we're never going to make our numbers for the month, for the year, whatever. And so fear comes from both sides of this relationship between a leader and the team. And fear is the second most common tactic of the devil. St. Faustina, Mm -hmm. uh, when Jesus was counseling her on spiritual warfare, and that's what he told her. And so, you know, to not fear, to have courage is actually what makes the devil flee. So by having to go against the things that we're afraid of, um, in, a, in a team is maybe not feeling like you have to always motivate them or motivate them in the way you think. Instead, figuring out what are the things that they most want and dangle that in front of them or remind them that they will get that thing if they go after this carrot that you're hanging. So the carrot, the temporary thing, what's really important is X, whatever it is they're doing, whether it's money for a college or a vacation or a retirement or a whatever that they are doing their work for or just making the mortgage so that they can keep their house. Think of reminding them of that motivation then helps them understand this carrot that you might want to dangle so that they do a certain extra amount of work in a week or a month. That helps them get not only the carrot, but the real thing that they're doing this work for in the first place. And if we don't get to that, if we don't take the time to figure that out, 
which means time, which costs me my time to talk to each individual and find out what's important to them, then we can only go so far in anything we do to incentivize a team. Wow. It's beautiful, and it applies across the board in all of life. I mean, that's why people shop at stores, not because you have stuff for sale, but because they have a, a need that they want to have filled. Also, why do women come out to women's events? Same thing, uh, because they have their own purposes, and that is that is just huge. There's two big mistakes that people make um, when they incentivize their team. What are those? Um the big mistake that most people make when they incentivize the team is they award them with awards that they like. They offer <laughs> awards that motivate them because that's, you know, everybody's like me, right? So if I want money or if I want jewelry, if I want to hear my name uh, on stage or whatever those things are, everybody's got to want that, right? And so when we do that, we miss some of the easiest and no cost uh, keys to increasing our team's motivation. And the, again, that's taking the time to find what the, what those, you know, they're after. We, we used to have a chart of uh, what kind of jewelry you like to wear, silver or gold, do you wear, do you have pierced earrings, do you not, do you, um, you know, what kind of shoes, what color is your home or your kitchen or wherever I wanted to send something that might be a domestic interior thing, what are your colors, just you know, what's your favorite flower? What's your favorite perfume? So whatever I wanted to do to send as a reward, not necessarily incentivizing, but rewarding in itself is motivating. Because if I receive a reward from someone, I know I'm loved, it increases my self-esteem, and I want to do more for that person. I'm immediately endeared to that. So uh, the five love languages is also a place that you want to go into there because sometimes what we're rewarding is gifts. Um, my director in my company, gifts was her language, her love language. That's how she received it. If someone gives her a gift, she knows they love her. And that works for many people. But there's others who could care less about gifts. They'd rather have you spend time with them or do some service uh, for them or just uh, you know, words. Just give me words. Tell me how wonderful I am. I can't hear it enough. <laughs> Find out what those love languages are. Uh, for each person, uh, then you're not wasting your time. Because I, I used right. to spend all kinds of money, and then I was like, half the, half the people could care less. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so you're never going to please so everybody. Yeah. Um, besides uh, awarding them with awards that only you care about or, instead of what they care about, what was the second big mistake that people may care? They neglect to find ways to acknowledge the bees on their team. Uh, I used to tell my team members, there's A's, B's, and C's, because they all, many of them had teams themselves. And the A's are the eagles. They fly on their own. They've got the long vision. They know what they need to do. They're often self-disciplined. You hardly have to do anything for them. They're, you know, super achievers, hard workers. You, we love them. The B's are the bread and butter. Uh, you know, the middle, you, you can't have a sandwich out without <laughs> the bread and the butter. Right. <laughs> you know? right, right. So uh, that they're important. And yet they're also uh, the ones that kind of um, wane. They fluctuate. They go like a roller coaster, really great some days, and then they're really slow going up the next hill. And so motivating them or incentivizing them is important. And it's easy to ignore those or just to like, neglect them. The super achievers, the A's, 
are the ones that do all the big stuff. That's the Pareto principle that we'll talk about a little later, that most of the, you know, 20% of your team does 80% of your work. So it's easy to reward those 20%. They're the ones that are making you happy. They're producing. And yet these, the B type people, the bread and butter that uh, just uh, have a lower, possibly a lower goal or an objective than the super achievers, but they, when you have a lot of them, they're really, really good. And all they, you know, for your team in general, for your volume and your productivity, um, and all they need is just a little bit of attention from time to time. Mm-hmm. And forgetting them uh, is a big issue. So um, they always uh, will respond to some small little thing that you can offer. But without doing that, um, you're not going to. Uh, have a team for very long. You'll have these super achievers and then you'll have the C's who just complain and <laughs> and criticize and don't do any work. Uh, but the B's really are your middle of the ground and they may not do big, huge numbers all the time, but that's the part that we often ne- neglect. And that's the mistake I don't want people to make. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so important. The B's, the bees too, they're the ones that are just going to be your um, your steady. They're just going to, you know, right. your super achievers can even sometimes fly over to a different, a different group or something. You know, they're going to always yeah. be looking for, you know, the places they can go to get bigger and better. Your bees are going to a lot of times stick with you through thick and thin and uh, be there. I, I love, I love the... I love the bread and butter for the bees. That's awesome. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. We're going, to come, we're going to come right back and talk about the Pareto Principle, how to use that to your advantage. And also, one thing that helps long-distance team members stay connected with you and know that you care. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Women'sEvents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at Women'sEvents.info. That's www.Women'sEvents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie. We're talking today with Chris Mannion about leadership, how to motivate your team to action. And Chris was a great one to teach us about this. Her website is chrismannion.com, and she's one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com. Chris, let's talk about how to use the Pareto Principle to your advantage. First of all, the 80-20 rule, you know, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people and all that. So what's, what's the secret here? Well, I don't think there's any secret, really. It's just recognizing that those 20% have a natural competitiveness in just being their super achievers that they are, and that can be tapped endlessly. So as long as you understand that you work 20%, even though the brothers are the ones that you want to make sure you're recognizing into giving them anything to go for. They just are so competitive. They want to, they want to see their name at the top. They'll do anything to see if they could beat the, the other person. And it doesn't establish what the record is. Nobody has ever done this before. Or the highest X that's ever been done on our team is this in this particular month. Who wants to break that record? Uh, they just want to be at the top of the heap. So using contests and establishing your whatever record, you know, just keep, start keeping records if you've never done that. And then shortly you'll be able to say, no one, you know, so far this is the highest we've ever done. 
who can break it and, and award some little record breaker thing. I mean, it doesn't even have to be anything more than recognition in a newsletter or on your uh, team site, but that's getting, getting a new high standard among the super achievers. They can't help to a B. They just have to buzz in there and, <laughs> and suck it up. So that is that's, such that's a great really, insight. It's so true. Huh. When you it's, think it's of the bees, then your yeah. bread and butter bees, then um, how do they how do they respond to very seldom ever getting to be a winner of one of these things? Well, uh, I I fix that. You don't always have to have. Um, there's there's uh, let, me, let me phrase that. Finding things that the bees can still excel in is a creative challenge that I encourage all leaders to undertake. So the big numbers are what the super achiever is going to go after. And so they're always going to be in your top 10 or your top three or whatever. But if you've got 50 to 100 people on your team, 80, 80 of them are never going to be in that top 10 or 20. So if you mm-hmm. only create those as lists, then you are going to have that problem. However, if you create other categories of um, who, who hit their minimum this month? Uh, how, how many times has someone been in attendance at a meeting? Uh, who helped uh, another individual at, with, with no uh, reward in you know, the, the Good Samaritan kind of award uh, where they can tell on each other? And so they, they are, their name gets in there for something that they never even wanted anyone to know that they did. But it was a good thing, and it was a good example of what teamwork means in this in this group of ours. So setting up different um, uh, elements of whatever it is in your business that you're doing and showing up for them or uh, achieving small uh, incremental increases. One of the things I did was asked everyone to establish, or I would look at their record and establish it for them, what their standards were uh, across the board from the previous year. So in any given month, any given member could exceed what they did the previous year. And so we would have, um, you beat your best in the month of June. Uh, Congratulations, Marnie, you know, kind of a thing. So that they were individual performance records where they're only going after their own numbers, not against these super achievers that they will never be able to do because that's just not their goal. Does that make sense? I love it. It's so beautiful, and it's such a beautiful way to respond to that because, like you say, the super achievers are so naturally competitive, whereas your B players are often, um, they really, a lot of them don't like to, <laughs> they don't like to beat somebody out. They really, that right. wasn't their goal. It isn't motivating right. to them. Uh, in fact, it's, it's demotivating to them. But if you can do it against themselves, if they can compete with themselves for a better number or for a better performance or just to be a better team player, that's really where they get their joy. Uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, way to handle that. There's, um, there's something that helps team players uh, or team members know that you care and stay connected with you, even if you're across the country or across the world from them. Talk to us about how to, how to help your team when they're not right there with you. I was very interested in what I learned about this, and that's why I wanted to discuss this with you. Thanks for asking, Marnie. I had most of my team members through Mm -hmm. all 25 years and I was working with this team, and I would see them, many of them, only once a year at a national conference. So they would hear from me in in, uh, 
by phone, uh, you know, monthly phone calls, team meeting calls, newsletter recognition. Uh, I would send little postcards to them um, with uh, congratulations, especially if they were in the top uh, 10 or whatever of anything, a postcard with a little small stamp and maybe a happy face sticker or something on it. And some of these top achievers that we've been talking about, they would pin this little postcard on the notepad, you know, notebook or corkboard in their office and or cover their whole door with Chris Manion postcards. <laughs> and they would look at them and it was a tangible something that said, Chris recognized me. She saw that I did this and she cared enough to write a note to me. And I, and I mean, it's a little postcard. And so when I would send other small things, and I'm not talking like, you know, 2 or $3 items, but something that was flexible, soft, small, easy to be mailed, they would talk about these little items for years after I had sent them. And so what I started to understand was it wasn't the value of what I was sending because I was always trying to think of, you know, I want to show my team that they have value, that I think about them often, and I wanted to give them something. But, uh, you know, when you have 100 or 1,000 people, you you, you can't do much, you know. So these little small things were a piece of tangible evidence that I thought well of them, that I was specifically thinking of them and they could hold it and touch it and look at it. Whereas when I would mention in a newsletter, we toss newsletters after a while, after the phone calls over auditory retention is very, very poor. These small little, some doesn't been a goofy thing. You know, one of these goofy bouncy pens or something, but it, it's a tangible piece when you're not, when you're not looking a person in the eye you're not getting to hear their voice very often. You're all by yourself mm-hmm. for months and months and months. There, this is what I learned. Something tangible from you to them meant the world. Hmm. Interesting. You also have a way to incentivize your team without paying even a dime. <laughs> so that's yeah. the cheap way you just shared with us, but you even have a less expensive way, so share that. <laughs> Well, there were lots of things that I learned. Again, if you go back to the five love languages, a lot of things are not purchasable. You know, I always thought of the gifts as the first thing. That's always uh, what the world seems to do. When you've done something sure. well, you get this kind of a gift. And so um, learning that the recognition in a newsletter, a person's name, I would pay my daughter or um, an assistant to highlight people's names in the newsletters before I would do in the days when I would mail them. And I still think it's important to mail things uh, from time to time and not just always have an electronic uh, communication. There is some, again, there to hold a letter or a newsletter where you've got your name highlighted and you can pass it around uh, the dinner table and say, see what mommy or dad, what my boss sent to me. That's big, and it again it, it, it increases esteem in their eyes, and it's it's not costing anything. You're just typing it out or sending it in an email costs you nothing. Special seating at meetings. Uh, the people who did really well again, let's go back to the bread and butter. 
overachievers are going to get all kinds of recognition, but the bread and butter people would often earn a front row seat or a, or the one recliner in the room. Or, you know, there was a TV <laughs> show that did that. Or uh, we used to have that at concerts. We'd have two big recliners with all the popcorn and stuff all around it that, you know, people's names would be drawn and they'd get to sit in this recliner <laughs> in the stadium seat. So a uh, special seating or a special parking, we would put a sign reserved for the hmm, whatever you decided was the hmm person. Again, outside of the super achiever kinds of numbers. An on-stage moment of whatever on-stage is, whether it's in the front of a conference room or if it's an actual stage at a, a conference or uh, your hotel room, you know, meeting in the front, some moment up there where they get to stand in front of their peers. Um, time with key personnel whether it's with me or whether it's with uh, uh, one of the stars on my team or a key uh, um, uh, employee, employee of your company that has knowledge that could, you know, would be just juicy if you could sit there and have lunch with them. Taking a moment and giving them that cost, that, that's no cost. Um, mm. So oh, in an employee of the month kind of an award, lots of places you've seen that, and just creating a plaque or a, a, a you know, a bulletin board. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Uh, being first in line when there's a whole line up for a, a dinner or a meal or whatever. Uh, the first in line people, and they get to, they just walk up there, strutting their stuff, going ha ha ha. I get to be I'm already you know ahead of all of you. Uh, lunch with the president or the CEO. Uh, dinner at your home. Or a cocktail before, uh, you know, a meeting event at a hotel or something. Just private cocktail with just this small group of people. They've earned it. Those, there's, um, they, it doesn't even have to be that you're buying them cocktails. It's just that you're there at your table and no one else is allowed here. This is private invitation only space. Fantastic. No cost things. <laughs> right. No, that's really great. Um, this this is so helpful. And I think that one of the things that we're hearing that's going through my mind as you're talking is that you have really put a, you put a lot of time and effort into making sure that your people knew they were seen, that they were noticed, they were more than just a number. When you get a group like 5,000, you know, obviously you can't be that involved with that many people. At what point did you have to pass that baton down to the leaders? I mean, how many could you personally uh, keep in touch with in this way, uh, the, the personal notes and things like that? When did, when did you feel like it was the tipping point for you where you could no longer do that? Well, when it got too much for me, I would have other people help me write to the notes or highlight names, um, but I would dictate the, the actual message. Um, I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that I really, had more than 200, 250, 300 people. Um, I had about 250 leaders. They were all important to me. And, uh, and each one of them was responsible for a team of members that were bringing in significant sales. And so in my personal opinion, making sure that those individual leaders got something specifically from me, uh, either in time on a, a, a leader call or time at my table at different at annual conferences. I spent hours and hours circulating um, so that I got as many 
him at each of the breakfast, lunch, and dinners over a three-day period of time that we were together, or up to my suite for personal invitations before certain meetings. So I got personal time with them as well as communication to them, you know, just for birthdays or anniversaries. I still do that. Um, and occasionally I would just call them at random calls. I sing happy birthday. When people get a birthday call from me, they know it's going to be Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, cause I often can't right. get them. It's random. I'm just picking a time. And so I just leave the message. I sing into their voice recording. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever awesome. those moments are, however, each of us communicates best, that just, it needs, that time needs to be, if you really want to make sure your team knows it, because uh, it, there's there's an old saying that I swore by, which is people don't care how much you know until they know mm. how much you care. And so taking the time to show you care does huge uh, uh, input into the solidity, mm-hmm. the continuity of it, yeah. and the lack of it. I mean, I have... We were on my team for 10 to 20 years, um, and that was unheard of for uh, our particular business. So uh, it's it's like any investment, you know, when when it's important, you make the time. Yeah, beautiful. I I was thinking, too, as I'm listening to you, one of the the major things that I I keep in mind with my teams is to always be grateful and to just continually (laughs) communicate my personal gratitude uh, for the investment that they make, not because they're doing it just for me, but because I am getting a benefit from it. And, and it does, I know a lot of leaders um, tend to feel like that's a given that that's um, something people just know that you appreciate them. But boy, I just find, I just find that people are pretty bottomless tanks when it comes to that, that they can just hear it over and over and over and over. And it's just always good. Wait, can I, let me clarify something. When you say that's a given, are you? Uh, can you clarify? Can you spell that out? Because I'm not sure if you mean that's a given that um, I don't need to say uh, thank you because you should know that I'm thankful, or right. that's a given that the leader always speaks the gratitude. No, I'm afraid a lot of leaders, um, a lot of managers feel like they're paying their people or their people are getting a paycheck in some way or they're, you know, they're, they know that I appreciate them. And so a lot of leaders just don't say it very often because they feel like it's redundant or whatever. But I just feel like um, if, if you are truly grateful, express that as often it comes to your mind that it's an appropriate moment to do it. Uh, even if it's all the time. I mean, I, I just often will just walk up beside people, put my arm around them and say, you know how much I appreciate you. I just am so grateful. You know, I mean, I think that we can't, we can hardly really overdo that. What is your thought? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, I, I think that uh, there's so much that, that people do and go through in life on any given day to be able to hear a one kind word of appreciation and gratitude right. um, just can melt so many um, bad moments and, um, and reconfirm right. why doing particular work on any you know in, in any given moment and just in case we thought perhaps she's forgotten me that little tiny moment or that little tiny thank you right. says okay you know I it just it it's like a candle that when you first blow it out, you can reignite it with a flame just as the smoke is still going up. So there's no, the wick is dead. Do you know this trick? 
Mm-hmm. When you blow out yeah. a candle, the yeah. smoke com- comes up. And so you can hold the flame above the candle wick. And if it catches that smoke, whew, right down to the candle and it relights itself. And that's what those mm-hmm. gratitude moments are for me. It just relights the candle that might have uh, gotten blown out mm-hmm. by some other thing. And we're good again. <laughs> Beautiful. The other thing that comes right to mind when we're talking about this is just the thought that when a word of praise comes from a leader, it has more weight than when it comes from a peer. Uh, You as a leader have this amazing position in people's lives where when you say a word, actually when you say a word of criticism, it's the same. It's just reversed. It's weightier. But we have this opportunity to really be an encouragement in other people's lives. We're visiting today with Chris Mannion of chrismanion.com. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the one thing to never tell a super achiever, as well as an easy group activity that will produce income generating results in just one hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers, speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marty, and you're joining us at Marty's Friends. We're talking today about how to motivate your team to action, and our guest today is Chris Mannion. This hour is flying by, having so much fun with our guest here, and we're so glad that you have joined us to listen in. Um, One thing we want to talk about right now is that super achievers are a little bit different than the other 80% of your team, and there's something, Chris, that you encourage people leaders to never say to a super achiever I'm dying to know what it is <laughs> <laughs> well I was in that category of super achiever and the one thing that drove me nuts and what that, that I found was kind of a irritation was when you told them what they have to do now again for me mm. I was working with independent contractors and they don't really have to do anything not really they were, you know, right. really threatened to fire them or anything. But when you tell me what I have to do, I have this inner dialogue that goes on and goes, I don't think so. And the, imme- the immediate uh, resistance that comes up from a super hardworking, I know what I want to get in life, but don't tell me what I have to do, um, sets up a defensive, abrasive uh, reactionary uh, moment that isn't conducive to high productivity, easy flowing conversations and great numbers. Uh, So giving them a choice uh, instead of turning them off by telling them what they have to do, um, use their natural competitiveness. They're all attention hungry. You cannot ever give them enough attention and then create an opportunity to choose. If you do this, you can earn this. Or if you do Y, you'll get Z. And they then just determine how far up they want to go or if they even want to participate at all. But I, I found that telling them what they had to do 
in general, I mean, you had a few super achievers that would be pleasers, and so they'll certainly do what you're saying, but um, the vast majority of them balked. <laughs> right. Oh. Right, and part part of the reason, I mean, part of the reason for that is because a super achiever has typically been at the top of their peer group um, almost their whole life, really, from a probably from an early age. They've had this inside of them. They've learned a lot of things, and a lot of times what come across from a leader as the have to do things are very simple and basic and kind of like almost obvious right. Um that yeah. I would have done it anyway if you hadn't told me, so it's kind of, in, you know, <laughs> you know, it makes me feel stupid that you had to say it, you know. Right. If you think about, if you think about the people who are pro, let's say, football players, by the time they're pro football players, you don't have to tell them you're going to have to practice a lot. You're going to have to watch your diet. You're going to have, you know, you don't have to tell them that because that's how they got there. They already know that. And so I think that that's kind of where this comes in. And a super achiever really does have um, – they're, they're, they're not all proud. That's not the problem. They just have a lot of life experience in their areas of expertise. Right. Yes, exactly. So I would avoid yeah, telling I, them <laughs> what, yeah. what they have to do. It's just – Do you ever – I, I know I shut down. Do you ever use phraseology like um, what I saw somebody do is blank? I wonder what you think of that. Or also, you know, one of the things that really works for me, is that how you kind of come at it when you want to share something that uh, would be useful for them to know? Yes, feel felt found uh, is is one. Mm -hmm, You you, you might feel this, I felt, and when I did this, I found X. So that I'm not telling them, I'm just, but I am starting with where I think they're feeling or what they're feeling. So I've got them, uh, if I've got it correctly. Um, The other way is to uh, ask them to, um, in some suggestions of what we should do. Here's our, here's the challenge. We are behind in numbers or we need to, we all need to get more uh, appointments on our calendars or whatever those things are. Um, And it's now June or whatever the month is. What? are some new things that we could possibly try. And then it's coming from them, not from me. And I might feed that in with a seed or two of my own, but uh, asking, asking them to brainstorm and uh, creatively uh, solution sort um, is one of my favorite tactics. Because yeah. I would always come up with new things as well. That, you know, I love brainstorming. Well, and it's so uh, it's so much less intimidating when it's just people throwing out ideas and you can just absorb and then also, you know, you can kind of morph that into something that can work for you personally and take it away from the meeting without feeling like someone's told you what to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And anytime you yeah. can participate, anytime that you feel the top person in your company is asking your opinion, that's just a win-win because your self-esteem is right. In, <laughs> yeah. No, you know, they value my opinion. Look at that. They actually asked me. And then they would even say, even though this is a non-committal thing, that's an excellent idea. Like, we'll, we'll think about that. We'll, um, we'll mull that over. Now that's not, they never, our, our CEO is often famous for saying that. And it would set us, but it was no, it was no commitment. Uh, but we were still feeling valued because we got to engage 
in this brainstorming creative idea. And any, any brainstorming session is, I think, beneficial to the whole body because new ideas right. will come out or somebody else's thing, which is a really dumb idea, triggers another response, and that response isn't even accepted. And it finally makes the one who's not saying anything pipe up and say the thing that everyone goes, oh, my gosh, look at that. Yeah. You know? So it's um, any of those approaches instead of telling them what they do is much more effective. <laughs> <laughs> another another way too, and we're gonna move on here in a second, but another way too to really let somebody know that they're valued by you is when they say something, especially if it was a little longer something, and you did you did appreciate what they said, just say, hang on, let me write that down. What was that again? <laughs> it's amazing how many people have said to me after um, after meetings, you know, yeah, they even had me re-say it so people could write it down. That That is a really Aww. big thing, you know, if, if people just care enough to jot it down, that takes it to a whole new level. So now you have an easy group activity that produces income generating results in an hour what is that um, it's, it's generally called a power hour many many people but we would often create uh, phone group activities we would call in at a certain hour we would check in for like 10 minutes or so and then we would break and do whatever the activity was that we all needed to do to generate income whether that's appointments or making phone calls with people or doing x y or z and then after the hour was up uh, five minutes before it was up we would come back into the phone call and report our results and there would be rewards for anyone who participated, there would be accolades for those who generated numbers. We would create a accumulation of all the results of all the people and say, look at that. In one hour, our team did X um, from all of these people and accomplishments. And even those who didn't participate would see an email saying what everybody else just did in that hour. And they're going, shoot, I better do something about it because they're, they're no better than me. <laughs> and so, it, you know, it just it moved things along. There's a, a technique called the Pomodoro technique, which you can also use in, yep. in an hour kind of a pro- process. That's a, a time management method. Francesco Cirillo did that in the 1980s. And that takes the hour down, breaks into intervals. Usually it's 25 minutes in length. And then you take a five minute break and then you come back for another 25 minutes and a five minute break. And those, those five minute breaks uh, sometimes are just silence. You do whatever you want. And sometimes it's depending on the group. It's a, a quick touch base things helpful when your first 25 minutes just didn't do much and you're feeling discouraged and you don't even want to go on. And so just hearing somebody else say, you know, I, I didn't get anywhere until I got made that last call. And this lady goes, Oh, I think maybe. And so everyone goes, Oh, I right. think and, you know, so, um, but that it's the energy of hearing the other voices and hearing the other hesitations and um, people not being sure. And so the leader recaps some of the basics that we're just going to be covering and just hearing the basics again, when you take things down to a real simple basic, even just breathing in, holding it for three seconds, breathing out, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good relaxation technique. And just doing it, it just any of those pieces that you put together and you bring the dynamic of other human beings together, their voices and breaths and excitement and discouragement, they recognize it as a common thing and feelings are um, knowledge and, you know, you feel 
you're not the only one doing this, and you're not the lone ranger, and you're not in society that just right. can't just pull it off, you know. Those those group activities, and it was most of the time on the phone, because, again, I had a, um, a long-distance relationship with almost every the babies were down and we could get things in an hour that was very effective and we all felt better for it. So those who participated, not everyone will, you know, come back to the Pareto principle, but the ones who need to, and many of the bread and butter people, this is an activity they would li- they like. It's non-competitive. Right. It's just participative. Right. And it's a feel-good thing. Even if you didn't get anything accomplished, any result yourself, you were part of an effort that did. Right. And the effect beautiful. carries over <laughs> to the next day or two. Sure. Yeah, that that is amazing. I, I'm totally going to use that, and I've I've never thought of that before. And that it's brilliant. I I love it, love it, love it. It is so lonely to just sit you know, sit behind your desk and calls and calls and calls and calls or whatever it is. So it, I can really see how this would be motivating for everybody. Well, hang on, everybody. Don't go away. We're going to come right back, talk about how to use the diet method of motivating your team. I'm so curious to know what that is. And the two things top leaders do to hold their team's loyalty and productivity. We'll be right back. ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPI Coach Certification Program today. SPI, or S-P-I, stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And welcome back. This is Marty. We're visiting today with Chris Mannion. She's one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com, as well as an author and a businesswoman who had built a $20 million sales team of over 5,000 um, participants. You can learn more about her at her website, chrismannion.com. Chris, we are nearing the end of the hour. This is such great information so far, and I am dying to know. What is the diet method of motivating your team? It sounds so <laughs> negative, I just have to tell you. <laughs> okay, and I recognize that, and thank you for sharing that. On a diet, we have to give up certain foods and eat more of the healthy stuff. And the diet method of motivating your team first is asking the ones who are committed to action, what do you have to give up in order to get what you want? Les Brown is famous for saying that if you like what you're getting, then keep doing what you're doing. And if you want something different out of life, you've got to change. So what do you got to change? There's something you've got to stop doing in order to be able to start doing something you need to do. So have them come up with that list, not you. That's the give up part. And then you make notes of what they're saying that they're going to have to give up. You don't want to make the suggestions yourself because then you're the bad guy. They try to give it up. It doesn't work. And they go, well, mine is what she's talking about. You know, I I like my TV. I don't want to whatever those things are. So Mm. diet also means eating healthy. It doesn't always mean you have to give up something, which is what we first focus on, almost like Lent. What do you give up? Um, 
Now, as a leader, you have to do more of the healthy stuff as well. So you might want to give your employees or team members more of a say in how they do their job. You might ask for their input and get suggestions like we were just saying, um, how to improve a performance. Most employees have ideas about how they can be more efficient, but they may not share them because they haven't been asked. So having um, a, a healthy employee review every once in a while to discuss improvements uh, gives them an opportunity to be healthy with you on this diet of letting go of the criticisms. Like one of my diets was there's no critical comments in the meetings, no negative talk. <laughs> right. The people who spent time out of their lives, they left their families to come to my meetings. And this meeting was about for an hour or two trying to be more successful in our life with our business. And I considered that oh, secret time. This Right. place for negativity. And so they had to give that up to, to walk into my meetings. And they knew that they would be escorted to the door if they didn't. It was because everybody else's time was way too valuable for me to endure one person who just didn't know how to focus on the positive. So being yeah. eating healthy, eating healthy, being healthy with each other um, is, is about, you know, empowering and motivating your employees or your team members. Uh, and, and then make sure you take some of their advice, you know, implement something that, so that they can see that you are uh, a woman of your word, you are valuing some of their comments, um, and giving them some authority occasionally. If you're not in, like me with independent um, people, but uh, members that are on your staff, you know, help them ha be able to make some decisions on their own. Um, you know, like providing a service to a client up to a certain point before they need to get approval from you. Um, yeah, it's a challenge for bosses who have control. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, it is, but it's good. It's good for everybody to learn because you cannot do it all. At some point, at some point, if you're going to have to micromanage everything, then that's going to limit how you know how far you can grow as well. There's two things that top leaders do to hold their team's loyalty and productivity. Chris, what are those? The first one is to communicate. Um, we all hate it when we are not in the know. Um, as a one of, of six kids, there would be lots of times where everybody mm -hmm. in the family would know something, and I'm going, how come I didn't find out? You know? So right. um, the staff or your team needs to know that they're valued, and communicating in person with them is the best way to show your appreciation for their hard work. And if you're not doing nothing more than putting a, you know, a newsletter together about them, then how are you really meeting their goals if you haven't um, – let them know specifically. But the importance of this communication is often overlooked. And so frequently communicating in some way, face-to-face, -face, um, we've talked about the need for your team to feel valued or to feel the gratitude that you were talking about earlier. And my dad ran a Westinghouse manufacturing plant of 1,000 employees, and he learned each of their names, which made them feel valued. Wow. But he also met about important matters or goals or changes that he needed to make. And he brought them into a conference room 100 at a time and talked to them so that the group wasn't so large that they didn't feel that, you know, they could see him and hear him breathe and, and hear the intensity of his um, passion about whatever he was needing to do. That meant 10 talks which would bore me to tears from the redundancy, but he knew the importance of face-to-face -face communication to run a tight ship. So communication is the first one, and then being an example. You can't expect employees or team members to work hard or behave the way you want them if you don't lead by example. 
And this was a, a big one for me. My father's uh, strongest characteristic that was mentioned at his retirement dinner was integrity. And integrity to me is about doing what you say you're going to do, um, honoring your word, um, uh, and and being someone to look up to. So if you're going to be a leader, the only way they're telling you is you're doing right, and they want to be able to. Well, I would list my accomplishments for the month in my newsletter. I would list the books I was reading. One person learned that she thought she didn't like to read. Um, because she would get into a book and then two-thirds of the way she had to get bored with it. And so once she started seeing, I listed four or five or six or seven books in any given month that I was reading, she started doing that. And when she got bored in one book, she'd go to another, and she was suddenly reading and finishing books. <laughs> she, could, she could move, you know, through a number of them. So, be, yeah, so I would list my statistics, my personal sales. I I'm showing them by these things that I am doing what I'm saying that they should be doing. Um, but I'm making mm-hmm. sure that those are real numbers every single month. And I would explain if I had a low month number where I was doing meetings or something else that would, you know, minimize myself for a given month. So um, I always set goals. I invited uh, everyone on my team to quarterly meet with me as I reviewed my goals. They could also review theirs, and it would be another one of those phone calls where hearing the energy of other people uh, was very valuable, especially the ones who admitted they haven't made any progress on this one particular goal. And we, uh, the rest of us are going, oh, my gosh, that's great, because I didn't even mention once I didn't, <laughs> didn't make progress on. Right. So, again, normalizing things and knowing that others are um, – experiencing the same thing because of that communication. Um, mm-hmm. One of my team goals, um, and my director was the number one person. So my team's numbers fed into hers. So the more we grew, the more she grew. And there was only one line, uh, the third generation down uh, on my team, that did not feed into her numbers. And so that line had motivation and purpose. Because they knew they were the only ones, if they grew large enough, that it would allow us to propel ourselves ahead of my director mm-hmm. and become number one in the company. So they felt so mm-hmm. special and privileged. Because, and they had this kind of goal. And they felt good about working <laughs> They would come up to me sometimes and say, I'm one of your third team members. And I would always make sure I made a special acknowledgement to them. Because they were the furthest away from me down the line in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, getting recognition or communication, but that gave them a purpose. And that communication was real valuable to them and motivating and, and it didn't cost me anything. That was just a common goal. They can buy into it or not. It was something I'd like to do, but we all had to do it together. There was no way um, I could achieve that on my own. So that was, mm-hmm. those are my two biggies. And, and part of that um, being an example is um, I liked the Don Miguel Ruiz, I probably know the four agreements, which is a code of conduct that he talks about. He's got a whole book on it. And those those agreements are to be impeccable with your word, which is this uh, being an example and an integrity. And then others were never take things personally, don't make assumptions, which ties into the communication I talked about earlier, and always do your best, which goes back to being an example. So those he really tied into these two pieces to communicate and to be an example. Mm, beautiful. I was thinking when you're talking about communicating changes, uh, people like to, I mean, we feel like 
well, just think about a time when someone called you first and said, I'm expecting a baby or I'm going to get married and that you're kind of at the top of their list of people to tell. As humans, we really like to know about things in advance. And when you communicate with your team in advance of a big change or whatever, that helps them to feel like they are the special ones who got to know about it in advance before it hit the, you know, company newsletter or whatever. And, and that's really huge. We are just about out of time here. Chris, if people go over to your website, which is chrismanion.com, what are they going to find over there? There's uh, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, there's a blog that I participate in in two areas. One is um, I have some recipes that I've been playing with over the years, and some of my favorites are there. And the other is my writing. Uh, so you can either uh, find just blog writing that will be uh, sent to you if you want to sign up and be on my mailing list. Um, there's also opportunities to ask me to speak to your group, uh, a section for speaking and from others who um, like what I had to say. There's a section where you can learn about my book, um, God's Patient Pursuit of My Soul, reading endorsements and summaries there. Um, and there's a place just to meet me. So if there's a, you know, a little bit more about me that you'd like to know or, or just see what a leader says, an author says, do that for people that I respect. Um, I go to their websites and say, okay, what are they saying? How are they saying it? And how are they trying to communicate with me? So if you want to be mm-hmm. uh, like somebody, that the best thing to do is imitate them, learn about them, you know, figure, you know, like I learned about you being this big international leadership mentor person that you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's how we grow. It's how we grow. It's, you know, we, we, we find somebody who's a little farther ahead on whatever path it is we're on, whether we're a new mom or whatever it is, and we just say, you know, feed into me some, some good stuff here, some wisdom to help me. You know, we, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. That's the beautiful thing. We can, we can uh, learn from other people who've gone ahead of us. Chris, thank you so much for being here. What a fantastic hour. Thank you, Marnie. It's been a blast, and I would love to come back anytime you need some more talking about anything. Okay, thanks so much, and thank you all for being here. I can't have a radio show without listeners, and it's always such a delight to share this hour with you each Wednesday afternoon live at Blog Talk Radio at Marnie's Friends, as well as all those who listen to the archives and all around the Internet on uh, our syndicate stations as well as uh, private websites who share the show. Thank you so much. Just so grateful for you. And if you guys want to learn more about Chris, her website, again, is chrismanion.com. Chris enjoys guys. Guiding others in making powerful life choices, her career spanned 36 years of service in Fortune 500 companies, direct sales, spirituality, musical worship, and personal coaching. And uh, she would love to be of service to you if she can. And so go ahead and check out her website at chrismanion.com. And I'd also love to see you over at marnie.com. Visit any time over there. We'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.